AthensAthens.com and the Athens Banner Herald. This is the Georgia Bulldogs podcast. Bulldogs Extra. Now, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Hey, welcome into the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. Mark Weiser, EJ Beat Writer for the Athens Banner Herald, along with sports editor Ryan Dennis. And we are back uh, on the podcast about a week away now from Georgia football practice. Uh, don't exactly have the precise date, but I'm told late next week. Is that a big deal, Randy? Uh, yeah, 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 yes, yes, it is. Just like uh, any uh, moves in the SEC, including Ooh. Oklahoma and Texas, coming to the league. Uh, probably will become an official invite, I think, later today as we record this on Thursday morning. Well, hey, I got a question. I mean, is that like uh, Sankey shows up to the door with a no. with a letter no. and hands it to him? I'm, I'm, I'm You're cordially invited to. I'm guessing there's a maybe a, a teleconference, uh, a. Uh, official uh, email. I mean, there probably is something like someone shows up at the door. I mean, but I, I don't know. Um, Amazon guy comes in. <laughs> exactly. You have, you have a package door. from the SEC on the front step. Uh, speaking of which, uh, we will have Steve Berkowitz of USA Today joining us uh, to talk about all the major changes in college athletics. And uh, we'll start off with the talk of uh, the realignment and how it, uh, the SEC is kind of driving that. And Ryan, uh, there are plenty of Georgia Olympic athletes uh, yeah, competing. Can you keep track when any of these Georgia swimmers are going to be on? I guess it's almost wrapping up with that. But but I think you can go to Online Athens. There's a list of who will uh, be on. But no, ma- mainly I have to uh, just turn on the flick, you know, the uh, the flick, the TV when uh, when the swimmers are, are on, and usually you'll have a good chance of seeing a Georgia swimmer. I had to turn it on about ten last night, and I think there were three or four. Allison Schmidt won a silver for uh, in a in a relay, and. Chase Kalis race again. I mean, it's a, a plethora of them. What about USA Basketball? Can you find that on your TV or on your streaming? <laughs> That's a little more of a challenge. It's usually around the uh, CNBCs of the world or something. What about handball, skateboarding? Is that all up your alley? Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, actually. Like, uh, Are no, you are no. you a can watch any type of thing in, during the Olympics? Because I am. I mean, I like seeing the different sports. Um, you know, I can turn on and watch. Uh, I watched uh, BMX racing last night a little bit. That was fun. I've seen a little bit of uh, some soccer, women's soccer, uh, as they are, I guess, in the uh, – uh, they've advanced on to the, the next round. I guess. After getting blasted in that first game. Yeah. yeah. Hey, let me ask you about uh, one Sepp Straka. Did you watch any of that last night? No. Former Bulldog no. golfer? But I know he's in the lead after the first day, I guess, uh, yeah. of competition. I watched his entire round last night. But I mean, you know, he's not on, he's not playing for the Americans, so I guess you're rooting against him. Or so you're that's uh, funny. Funny you should say that. I was texting a buddy last night who's a big golfing fan, uh, big UGA fan, and um, he's like, yeah, I'm kind of torn here. He's like, I like a lot of these golfers as people, but when it comes to, you know, country, you know, pride in your country, you know, do I pull against Rory McIlroy, who I've always pulled for in majors and stuff, you know? That's kind of the debate. Now, I, I, I personally am pulling for, uh, you know, Seb Straka since uh, we had a conversation on the phone last week. I, mean, I feel like I know the guy a little bit, so I'll pull for him did you, and the Americans. Did you give him some kind of good words of advice about what to pull out of his bag on? Yeah, the, I told him that, uh, you know, keep his keep his left shoulder tucked in a little more on a, you know, that type of stuff. But now the cool story about him, as uh, you can read in the Athens Banner Herald, is that he picked his uh, twin brother who also played here at UGA as his caddy and uh, both represent Austria. So A-U-S instead of U-S-A. But 
it's uh, I, I'm pulling for the guy. I think it's a cool little deal. Uh, you mentioned Allison Schmidt uh, and uh, Haley Flickinger each mm-hmm. picked up their second medals uh, last night, or is that uh, Did you hear? Thursday morning, I guess it was, in Tokyo. <laughs> Did you and, hear how many that was for Allison in her career? Uh, it's a bunch. Georgia, Ten, I believe. Georgia yeah. now 38 overall medals uh, under Jack Bowerly, who is there as well as an assistant for the men's team. Not this year. And seven this year. Yeah, okay, there you tying go. Tying their previous mark in Rio. Uh, one more thing before we start talking about what we learned last week at Media Days. Mm. Um, Maria Taylor now with NBC is uh, already there on the broadcast team from Tokyo. So uh, congrats to her on that move. And uh, I guess that probably means we'll see her obviously a lot less uh, in the college football realm. Um, and I don't know if she's going to get on any, any uh, Notre Dame football. I imagine not. I think she's doing the NFL, but. Um, obviously a uh, presence on college game day and then on sidelines. Um, actually, I guess she probably would have been. If she stuck with ESPN, she probably would have been on that Clemson-Georgia game because ABC's covering that one. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk about SEC Media Days and, and for that matter, uh, the ACC kickoff. I, I did both last week, drove from Hoover, Alabama to Charlotte um, and had a chance to talk uh, you know, to uh, some Clemson guys you know, at the ACC deal. Um, Ryan, have you you've been to the one in Hoover? You've not been to the one in Charlotte, right? Mm-mm. Well, the uh, well, the comparison is uh, SEC superior. Well, since you judge everything by the food uh, served up, no, um, it's the, it's what? the beverages. Of the beverages. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, during the day, that you know, you can get yeah, your yeah. Dr. Pepper and stuff. Well, that's what I meant, at both? You know, I didn't see, actually, a, a soda machine this time oh. uh, at the SEC. They had COVID protocols. They uh, limited the amount of people in the big room and, uh, you know, had some people coming on certain days and as opposed to, like, an all-week pass. Um, but they did have, a, a, you know, coffee there that I could kind of get refills on. Uh, at the ACC, um, they had a nice food spread. Um, can't, can't complain about that. Yeah. Uh, they did bring out some chicken fingers and um, some Bojangles, like uh, some biscuits, some blueberry biscuits as mm. kind of a snack uh, after the lunch. Mm. Anyway... It's not really, what did we learn? What did we not, learn? Not really about the food as much. <laughs> Look, the ACC thing is um, this year. Oh, I think even before this year, it, it's a better deal in that you know it's probably obviously it's not as much of a uh, passion in ACC country as uh, as football is in the SEC. I mean, you know, Tobacco Road is all about basketball, but um, you know, obviously North Carolina is doing better, and the new commissioner at, of the ACC, Jim Phillips, is putting a premium on making football kind of. Uh, the end all and be all for every school. Well, so. when it comes down to it, and that's the money driver, right? In college, yeah. I mean, even as good as those basketball teams, right? Are. Right. Yeah. Football's where it's at. Yeah. Plus, the ACC has these breakout rooms where you can get up close with players, uh, you know, in smaller group settings. Um, the SEC had done that kind of, you know, in the big room, put them in the corner, and you could get a little bit closer to some of the players. But due, due to COVID, they just stuck them on the big stage, which you, know, you can't really complain about that. But it, it took away probably from getting something unique or asking them a question. I imagine they'd be a little bit more nervous, uh, you know, standing at, at, at the big uh, podium as opposed to just you know, Mm -hmm. sitting on a table. Um, So what do we learn? Um, What did you think? Uh, Are you more the uh, Henry David Thoreau or the Quavo (laughs) in terms of the curvy? curvy Yeah, he covered all uh, spectrums there of the, uh, of the social world, didn't he? Um, You know, uh, obviously I think the Quavo thing is a, uh, 
you know, show that he's hip and cool and uh, recruits uh, respect that, I guess. But uh, what was the quote from uh, Thoreau that uh, I can't even, I can't, I, I, I thought it was a joke. I'm going I'm to paraphrase it because I think he left out a word and I don't remember which <laughs> word it was, but the Kirby quote was success comes to those who are too busy to be looking for it. Now let's all take ten minutes and ponder over that. That's uh, that's deep, man. Um, but I get what he's saying, right? So they're too hard, too busy working to think about what success could be or was, and uh, you know, with all the the hype, I guess, surrounding the Bulldogs this year, that he's trying to say they're not focused on uh, you know possible national championships. That they're too busy just trying to work hard for what did it coach speak that uh, get one percent better every day type of stuff, which. Uh, Makes me want to gag a little bit, but uh, look, I think that was a successful move for him to bring that up because I was actually surprised at the lack of questions about kind of you know, hey, is this your year? You know, can you finally do it? You got such a talented roster. Um, maybe that kind of you know put the kibosh on that a little bit, and people weren't really following that line as much. Um, you know, would you think of JT Daniels kind of? Uh, would you think he kind of dressed out like? Pulp Fiction or something went yeah, with I the dark that. look there. Uh, was it, uh, Reservoir Dogs? I think I saw a comparison. I don't know. I, you know, it was a little different. I, I actually saw a picture last night again of Kirby and uh, Jordan Davis with their red ties, and then next to them is uh, is JT with his black tie. But um, I mean, did you? Those things never provide anything other than what you expect, right? I mean, nobody comes out and says, "Yeah, this is the year that we're going to win it all, bar none." You know, it's going to be it's going to be our year. And we're going to beat Alabama and we're going to beat, you know, Florida and we're going to win it all. I mean, sometimes somebody, they won't say that necessarily. That but sounds they, like more of a uh, Dan Mullen type. They will of. say things that are a little bit, you know, more unfiltered. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, Kirby did say when he asked about um, Eric Gilbert or is it Eric Gilbert? I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I learned last week it depends on which uh, media guide you're Yeah, on. yeah. Um, that he is uh, on track to be ineligible to play, which is kind of a question we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if he would actually say that. Did you say eligible or ineligible? No, eligible. Okay. Come on, don't you read it? We already read it. I know, I know, but uh, it's one of our listeners to. Yeah, eligible. Um, But, you know, I imagine that's the case, but, I mean, would he really put out that he wasn't going to be? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, But certainly, uh, you know, Kirby kind of confirmed what, Obviously, that they put out, which that this guy is uh, Gilbert's working at wide receiver. Whether he stays there, uh, one of the players uh, I believe mentioned that he's working with both the position coaches in terms of meeting times. Uh, you know, I guess he'd be both with uh, Cortez Hankton as well as uh, you know the, the tight ends coach um, for for Georgia. So you know, we'll see how that that plays out. I mean, he's going to got to meet with one of them, I guess, uh, when the when the uh, preseason rolls around next week. Um, so uh, Jordan Davis looked like he would kind of bring down the uh, lectern or whatever you want to call it. He's, <laughs> he's you know, six six uh, three forty five or something like that. So guy, yeah. kind of a mismatch there. I'll take Davis in that matchup anytime. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's a big old boy. Uh, Kirby did mention that uh, Georgia is better than 85% vaccinated uh, on the team. Um, and with the Delta variant, that seems more important now than ever in terms of having players uh, not having to be sidelined in practice uh, or, in, you know, and even more importantly in games, um, you know, and you don't want to get into a situation, obviously, where your roster is depleted. And this year, that probably will mean a forfeit instead of a postponement. Right. 
you know, and I liked uh, some of the stories that came out about how they made it, you know, they, they, they gave some personal aspects of it. Uh, who was it? Was it Hankins uh, who told a story about his, uh, or they said that he told the team about how it impacted him and, and stuff like that? Uh, I think it was not. It was Del McGee. Del McGee. That's who it was. And, yeah. and you know, stuff like that, I think, is uh, it's kind of cool to hear come out of that and why, you know, they would uh, want their players to, to get vaccinated and the inspiration behind, I guess, uh, like you said, it's going to be a forfeit this year. You can't just say, hey, we're not going to play this week. Uh, kind of like Vanderbilt did a couple times last year. Look, when I was at the ACC, um, there were three players per team. Uh, the SEC only brought two this year, but one of the players for Florida State was one Jermaine Johnson, mm. the former Georgia uh, pass rusher. And it made me think this question, Ryan, I'll pose it to you. Okay. If he stayed at Georgia, where would he be in the pecking order in terms of getting to becoming, to be getting an invite to media days? He'd be pretty long, low down that list, wouldn't he? I would imagine so, yeah. Uh I mean, he might not be even in the top ten. That's just that's just says something about. Well, you think of uh, quarterback, running back, uh, you know, seniors. Uh, well, just think then, about the guys that didn't go. You didn't have Louis Sine. You didn't have uh, Jamari Sawyer, Zamir White, or, James Cook, James Cook, yeah. Kyrus Jackson, yeah, um, Nicobe Dean. I mean, you can go on and on. How about a uh, 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 lineman of, of some sort that uh, you know that's been around for a while. Uh, you know, Dante Wyatt. Yeah, any of those, any yeah. of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So my my point is that you know you you make a move to an ACC, another Power Five name brand program, Florida State in the ACC. Obviously, haven't been winning at the level of Georgia recently, but um, you know that, that shows something about how uh, uh, you know it shows why a guy might want to move on to a different program where where he can seem like have a more important role. All right, we'll talk more about uh, Georgia football and uh, what we learned from media days and uh, had a chance to visit with Mark Rick uh, in Charlotte as well. We'll talk about that coming up. But first, we're going to speak with uh, Steve Berkowitz of USA Today about Georgia uh, getting some new SEC dance partners. Uh, we don't know exactly when, but that will be Texas and Oklahoma. And uh, we'll talk to Steve about that and much more in college athletics. All right, we uh, wanted to talk more about all the rapid changes going on in college athletics. And for that, we turn to Steve Berkowitz of USA Today, who uh, has a wide swath of uh, beat coverage to a certain extent, mostly, uh, you know, with NCAA and uh, governance and uh, contracts and and deep dives on, on a lot of issues. So, Steve, thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me on. All right, I think it was about a week ago that the Houston Chronicle broke the news that Oklahoma and Texas were talking to the SEC. Today, I guess, uh, there could be an official invite coming from the SEC as uh, as expected. What is driving this change, do you think, for the SEC? Um, is it the schools? Is it the conference? Is it that ESPN just struck a, a big deal with the SEC uh, for the next TV contract? What is uh, the main drivers here? Well, I think from the SEC's standpoint, the, the main driver is picking up two, you know, really big-time national brand schools with that kind of with that kind of reach and you know, bringing that level of quality to the to the conference. I mean, you know, money uh, tends to drive all of these things as well, and you would think it's been, the uh, the expectation is that Texas and Oklahoma will drive additional value. Uh, for all of the members of the conference financially in terms of television deals and you know each for the in, for each of the individual schools in uh, ways large and small including you know the ability to, to sell more tickets to football and basketball games uh, potentially charge more to donors to get those tickets and 
uh, you know, all of the other ancillary revenue streams that uh, having more folks on it as an in arenas for, for games. The contract for those two in the Big 12 runs through 2025, not not very likely, I, I would say. When do you think that uh, the Longhorns and Sooners will uh, actually jump over into the SEC? I think it becomes a function of, you know, it becomes a function of a deal made. I mean, this is this kind of stuff has played out previously with other, you know, major shifts in conference uh, affiliation. For example, at, at University of Maryland, when they went, when the school went from the ACC to the Big Ten, I mean, there ended up being lawsuits filed by both parties. They each sued the other uh, over what the exit fee was and what the terms were going to be and so forth. And you know, it appears that the Big 12 has a particular set of provisions that can be followed for the schools to exit, uh, and they and that could be done sooner than 24-25. And, you know, again, it becomes a, a function of trying to figure out where the dollars are. I mean, if, the, if Texas and Oklahoma don't want to be in the Big 12, it's going to be hard for those schools to make them stay, and then it becomes a negotiation about how much money it's going to cost the schools to leave. I believe you looked at the numbers of, uh, you know, the revenue that might be generated from from Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. What did you learn about? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, again, some of this is, is, is speculative, but, you know, one way one way to take a look at or to model, in the way that I use to model the value that Oklahoma and Texas at least would seem to bring to the table would be to look at what the projected television Revenues uh, were looking like for the Southeastern Conference without those schools in the 24-25 fiscal year, um, and then you know you divide by 14, uh, which is you know the number of schools, and so that's the average value that each school brings. It doesn't mean you know that's the actual value that any one school brings, but on average, those 14 schools would bring you know roughly 58 to 60 million dollars worth of value. Uh, so then you add that to the to the total and. You know, you go from there with other uh, revenue streams thrown into it, and that's where I got. The, and that's how I developed the number that I came up with, with the, with the roughly 1.3 billion. And that number, you know, I think, is a little bit conservative, uh, but there are so many variables in this uh, from a timing perspective, and uh, it also included a projection of the increased revenue that conferences would be getting from college football playoff, assuming that it expands uh, in time for the 24-25. Uh, school year. So, I mean, there were a variety of assumptions that went into it as well, but that was the basic deal in terms of looking at the value uh, to the conference. And, you know, the, the schools may be able to easily make a case that they bring more value uh, to it than that. So, but again, I was trying to do this in a way that, that seemed, you know, kind of conservative and worked off of what, what we had in front of us. It, it appears, Steve, that you know there's been rumors for years that there would be maybe four super conferences, you know, and, and all this. But you know, does it stop at 16 for the SEC? Will they add more? Will they pick off another team or a school here and there and, and bring them in? Uh, how, how big does it get for the SEC? You know, I mean, I think it remains to be seen how this is going to go for the various conferences. I mean, six, the thing about 16 is that it's a it's a nice, manageable number uh, in terms of how you want to set the conference up for scheduling and, and other reasons. Uh, but, you know, if there, I, I, it would surprise me that if the conference uh, and the other member schools see the opportunity uh, to add other members who, again, bring sufficient value to the proposition uh, that everybody's 
you know, that the pie gets large enough that the slices of the pie remain at least as large for everybody, then, you know, they it wouldn't stun me if they, if they were to pick up another school. Um, but, you know, this would seem at 16 with this uh, alignment of schools, it would seem like they're pretty well positioned, uh, not only financially, but just in terms of the overall strength of the conference within, within fans and with television partners and everybody else going forward, that would seem like a pretty good, pretty good place for them to be. But, I mean, you know, again, uh, being able to sort this out, looking out going forward, whether or not, you know, our, our conference is going to collapse together in a way that you end up, like, essentially with two conferences or three conferences or four conferences, that would tend to drive whether or not they would look to again add. And certainly, geographically, there are schools that they could pick up. It's just a question of are you going to raid another conference to do that. Speaking of uh, raiding another conference, what does the Big 12 do now, you think? Does it eventually dissolve after getting raided, or or does it go to the AAC to get to 12, or or I guess the AAC could go to the Big 12? I mean, does Bob Bowlesby have a case with ESPN after claiming uh, that they are kind of, you know, I guess driving a lot of this uh, realignment and and asking them to cease and desist? Yeah, I mean, whether, you know, I think the... The action that the Big 12 took yesterday with the cease and desist uh, letter to ESPN, you know, is something that ESPN, the Big 12 insists that they have proof of this. ESPN denies it. You know, who knows where that lies? I mean, that's, I think to me, that's largely a marker thrown down to ESPN that, you know, there's a possibility that they, the Big 12 would sue them. Uh, the, uh, where this lands with the Big 12 and the AAC, again, it's sort of an interesting thing, whether or not, because you're looking at kind of the same knot of schools, the same group of three to five schools that would be attractive to either side uh, in putting together a conference that, you know, sort of collapses or you know, puts together pieces of those two leagues, and whether or not that's under the Big 12 banner or the AAC banner, uh, it'll be an interesting Thing to see how that how that how that plays out. Um, I mean, if you're but if you're if your schools like if your school like Tulsa or Tulane, uh, you know your future going forward may depend on how all of that you know how that all lands up. In the same way for you know for example for Kansas. Uh, so there's there's quite a bit at stake in how that all puts together. What does this unless mean? The, unless just the two unless just the, the unless you know the the AAC schools just you know you know, go together with all of the remaining Big 12 schools. Sorry there, Steve. What does this mean about playoff expansion? I mean, will that 12 number stick? Will it be slowed down? Will they stay at four? What do you think happens now? I mean, I think it depends on how fast all of this moves. I mean, you know, everything seems like a muddle uh, and a far away now. But, I mean, you know, again, if I think if the, if the dollars uh, are right for, the, for Oklahoma and Texas to exit, that could move, you know, reasonably. That could move reasonably quickly. Um, the, you know, and, and then everything else sort of falls falls in place in behind that. So, you know, I, I'm not certain that this, you know, would appreciably uh, decelerate where you're going with the college football playoff. And don't forget, I mean, the college football playoff setup as it is now with four uh, is supposed to run through 25-26. So there is an agreement there, but you know, the parties to that agreement may get rearranged and. So there may be a necessity for the CFP to be, uh, you know, revisited and, and realigned 
uh, before you get to that date because of the way the, the conferences would be set up. Of course, uh, all, all of this uh, realignment uh, movement comes against the backdrop of, of, you know, major changes in college athletics, including the name, image, and likeness uh, ability for athletes that started July 1. Has that played out like you thought? Has anything surprised you as you've seen kind of that marketplace, uh, you know, get activated? No, uh, this hasn't surprised me at all. I mean, uh, you know, that, that you're seeing uh, athletes in a wide array of sports making deals, uh, that you've had some athletes who are making deals that are reportedly for lots and lots of money, and then you're seeing, you know, lots of athletes in all kinds of different sports, men's sports, women's sports, so-called non-revenue sports, uh, where those athletes are making deals that are at a, at a smaller level, and you're seeing athletes uh, who are, you know, taking advantage of them at the most basic level in doing things like coaching during the summer, where they are able now to give lessons and uh, work at camps and, and, you know, do that while sort of putting out basically advertising for those camps as athletes at those particular schools. Uh, so, no, none of, none, of, none of what's happened so far has surprised me at all. Um, and, you know, the, you know, it may be somewhat chaotic on the campuses from a, from a uh, uh, compliance and management standpoint, but I think the schools are sort of figuring it out and the athletes are figuring it out. You know, and away it'll go, and it'll become more and more widespread as as things proceed. Uh, there may be businesses who make deals with athletes who decide that there isn't sufficient business value in it for them, and maybe those deals will go away. And you know, you'll see how this sort of washes out over the next year or so, and the market will begin to set itself. Somebody we hadn't heard from much, uh, the NCAA and Mark Emmert, uh, does it say something uh, during this realignment about how he's kind of taking a back seat to conference commissioners uh, throughout all this? Um, I don't think the, the, the business of alignment necessarily speaks one way or the other to what Mark Emmert is or isn't doing. I mean, the, the, the realignment issues have always gone on, you know, way around the around the the NCAA central management and executive leadership. I mean, Emmert may not, at some point, Emmert may weigh in on whether this is good, bad, or otherwise uh, for college sports, but there's not much that the NCAA is in a position to do about this. And, you know, the conferences are going to do what they're going to do, and so, you know, I mean, and that's always always been the case. I mean, it hasn't been much of the NCAA can do about this and you know he can be critical of it but it's you know it's not going to matter um and it's you know so i'm not sure that it says anything one way or the other frankly and and there's already been you know a sufficient level of discontent and disconnect you know over the past three to five years between the conferences particularly the major conferences and leadership and association uh and that you know for a Wide for a wide array of reasons. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, it, it's and the, what the conferences also are you know amassing revenue totals that are you know around the NCAA's. You know that tends to change things a little bit too. I mean, it's just you know the conferences at this level, in the, in the uh, Power Five, you know, they're not drawing that much of their revenue from the NCAA. Um, so it's not like you know they don't need the NCAA. I mean, they, what they what they need is sort of a national governing body that stages national championships and does make some effort to enforce national rules and provide a governance structure. Um, 
So, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's just it's hard for me to, to, to draw something negative from that. And even if the schools ultimately withdrew from the NCAA, I think there would be some kind of uh, effort among uh, the withdrawing schools to come up with some sort of, you know, overarching governance and management structure to stage championships and, you know, have some basic rule structure, or, you know, going forward because the schools would have that. Yeah, just to wrap up, I was going to kind of ask about that. I mean, do you see that's the way it's going? Will the super conferences, if what exactly uh, you know ends up happening, if you have you know the sixteen team conferences, uh, multiple of those, will they you know ultimately replace the NCAA as a governing body and create their own structure? Yeah, I think that's not an entirely that's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. Um, I also think it's possible that you may see uh, a movement toward sort of what they call federation by sport, wherein sort of the rules for college for copper groups of colleges, whether they be a national uh, or separate groups or whatever, but that they're set up on a sport by sport basis with sort of very basic uh, national or you know cross conference rules being put together at a over overall level. But you see a lot more governance on a sport by sport basis, and potentially seeing conference alignments that may. Uh, you know, we have like sort of basic conference alignment is around, you know, maybe football, you know, basketball, basketball, and, and a couple other sports. But that there's a lot more ability for the schools to have conference affiliation on a sport by sport basis because you have schools, conferences, or groupings of schools that are really spread out geographically. Uh, from a from an expense standpoint, it's you know it's a much better proposition if you're playing uh, sports that don't bring in much revenue to do that competition on a more regional geographic basis so you're not spending the money to, to travel your teams all over the place for conference play. All right, Steve, thanks for joining us. And uh, everyone, go to usatoday.com. Uh, you can find Steve's work there. And I'm sure there will be plenty more uh, with the changing nature of uh, college athletics and uh, the Power Five conferences as they, you know, the machinations there going forward. Steve, uh, appreciate you joining us. Sure, thanks a lot. All right, we uh, thank Steve Berkowitz of USA Today for joining us to talk realignment. That dude knows his stuff, doesn't he? And uh, and other uh, issues in college athletics. Ron, I kind of want to talk about it uh, on the front end, but before Steve, but let's talk about it now. Ultimately, is this good or bad, do you think, for Georgia, Texas, and Oklahoma joining the SEC? I don't say it's a bad thing. I mean, uh, I, we need it. We need it broken down a little further, right? I mean, is this does this mean that Georgia? I mean, they're going to be in the East, right? If they realign things, but who moves over in the East? Is I it, mean, do we it, even know if they're having an East and a West? I, I that's mean, what I'm saying. We yeah. need to, we need to know I mean, further. You could, you could be going pods. So I've seen uh, you know different things. Well, you could have a North, South, East, and a West. You could have. So I guess. We need. To no, know I agree. This. I agree. You need to. You need to learn what the structure is going to be, and that's not going to be out there. But also, I mean, Georgia has s- never been to Texas A and M. Will they ever make it to Oklahoma or Texas, or you know, how long will it be? They need to go to nine or ten conference games. No, I agree with that. that. I, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it will be ten. I, I'd be happy to see it go ten, but yeah. you know, certainly you can't stick it with eight. I mean, if you're having a sixteen-team league, right? What it does for Georgia, which is supposed to play in 2023 in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Supposed to play games with Texas, you know, towards the back end of this decade. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
you know, I think there's a good chance that Oklahoma will be playing SEC football by 2023. So, you know, would that be uh, a game that's just on the schedule as an SEC game? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how that's going to shake out. I don't think there's going to be any uh, thoughts of like, oh, this school broke the contract. I mean, you invited yeah. them into your league, so <laughs> <laughs> you owe you owe us three million dollars. I mean, I don't think that's happening. But I mean, ultimately, like, you know, we need more answers from the, the SEC. And I don't think that's coming necessarily in the next week yeah. about how they're going to structure all this. Um, I will say that, you know, Georgia's formula, you know, since Kirby Smart has arrived, has basically been, uh, you know, get ahead of Florida mm-hmm. in the SEC East. And you're, I mean, who won in 16? Was that Florida? I think it was Florida, right? Uh, yeah, because uh, that was Kirby's first year and Georgia <laughs> went in there and lost pretty bad. Yeah, so... I think the path to getting to an SEC championship game, uh, presuming that there will be an SEC championship game, I mean, you know, I mean, if they're going to play, who knows? I think anything's on the table. I mean, what if they had a what if they had like a semifinal well, I, and my, a final? Well, I'm just in saying the SEC that determine who you're. If you have Alabama in your conference or you have, I mean, in your division or you have Oklahoma in your division Uh or, you know, you have Texas A&M in your division. Uh, I mean, I don't know how it's going to look, but, you know, you would think that the the path to get to a championship game would be uh, more difficult. Now, look, Georgia beat Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. Uh, I think Georgia uh, clearly is a better program than Texas now. I mean, Texas won a national championship in 2005, but I wrote about this in my story that I did uh, the other day about kind of five ways that Texas and Oklahoma could impact the SEC. I mean, their overall one loss percentage, uh, you know, I think it was from 2010 to 2019, was like, you know, middle of the pack, barely over 500 in terms of, you know, not that much greater than a Mississippi State was in the SEC. So, you know, Texas is certainly a blue blood and a very valuable brand. But, you know, in terms of the football product now, I mean, they did obviously beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Mm. But, you know, I, I don't think many people would trade uh, places with Georgia for Texas. The, the we're back thing is uh, hadn't aged too well by uh, Ellinger there. I got a question for you, though. What what if and and would the SEC kick anybody out and bring somebody else in? So, I mean, what does Vandy there, bring to this conference? I mean, I think if anything, Vandy would choose their own path to get out. The SEC is not kicking out Vanderbilt. Why? I mean, I mean, so you you Gre- kick Gre- out Vandy and let's first say you of all, bring in, I think Greg Sankey likes to bring in North Carolina or Virginia I, or something. I mean, I think there's a history there that there's also a, a collegiality or whatever the word might be. Um, Vanderbilt's a very good baseball program. I mean, this is okay. not, yep. you know, people aren't going to get the best baseball programs. And when it comes down it. to education, I mean, is that something that's considered in all this at all? You know, I mean, one of the top schools I mean, it's not, for education. It's not in the top two reasons probably, but <laughs> I mean, clearly, yeah, I, I don't see that th- that happening. All right, let's 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 uh, visit the all-SEC team that came out uh, last week. Ryan, do you remember how many uh, Georgia players were first-team all-SEC? Was it one or zero? That'd be two. It, uh, Camarda was one. Jake Camarda and Jordan Davis. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, obviously, I voted on this as a media member, and I had, I think it was like five different Georgia guys, including Tyke Smith, on my team. Now he's not going to get it because the rest of the people that cover the league don't don't necessarily know about him. Uh, what are your impressions? Um, second team, I'm going to look at the list here. JT Daniels, mm-hmm. obvious choice. Amir White, I'm not sure if I would have put him there. Maybe I did. I can't remember. Uh, George Pickens is a second team choice. No, he's a little surprised. He, he didn't make my list when you're when you're when yeah. you're not playing except for maybe three games at most, and even.
even then is unsure. I mean, no, he's not on my team. Jamari Salyer, second team choice. Um, I had him, I think, on my first team. Third team, I'm scrolling down still with the offense. Nobody on Georgia made third team offense. On the defense, as I mentioned, was Jordan Davis. Um, nobody on the second team defense for Georgia. Third team was Trevon Walker. Uh, Nakobe Dean, who I believe I had on my first team. And uh, Louis Cine, who I probably had on my second team. Well, actually, I don't even know if we, we didn't vote on second teams. I think we just voted. And, and it, however yeah, it I had Cine, I think, maybe. I can't remember. Jake Marta is a, you know obvious choice. Um, and then uh, Kyrus Jackson was third team as a returner. I believe I might have had him even on my first team. So uh, you good with all that? No. I mean, here's my question. JT Daniels, right, has been considered one or two quarterback in the country. He's behind uh, the Ole Miss quarterback, correct? Uh, the first team. Yeah, I mean, is that he put up big, he put up big numbers? Corral did, and he's in a passing offense. And then you look at JT Daniels, who only played four games. I mean, you can project that either way. I think either of those is a fine choice. Um, you know, I mean, JT's getting some Heisman run as the the front runner now. I mean, that kind of fluctuates. It also depends on what you look at. Uh, I don't think that's across the board in every one of those. How about Georgia's group of linebackers? Nakobe didn't he didn't make it? I just yeah, he made a third team. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Like first team or, or yeah. even second team. I mean. Uh, that's a guy that was, what what he was he was on a buckets award like list last year, pretty deep, wasn't he? Like uh, you know, late one of the late uh, finalists or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't pay much of that much. <laughs> don't ask me about any preseason watch list. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, you know, it's a dime. Hey, Kirby's Kirby's on there as a potential best head coach. Well, he's a head coach at Georgia. <laughs> Along with 50 he's, other coaches. He's going to be on there every oh, year. Um, all right. I had a chance to sit down with Mark Rick in Charlotte last week uh, as I was going to the SEC, uh, the ACC kickoff event anyway and then um, was able to get with him. Uh, we spent about 45 minutes. It was myself, um, Steve Hummer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and Jeff Schultz from The Athletic, uh, people that knew Mark when, he covered, when they covered him uh, at Georgia. And um, just a chance to talk to him about what he announced, I think it was early July, that he uh, has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and kind of how he is coping with it. It actually came on a, on a uh, the same day that Bobby Bowden announced that he has been diagnosed with a terminal illness, and uh, Bowden did not uh, reveal what that illness was. But um, so um, w- with Mark Rick, he says he is in stage one of Parkinson's, which uh, he's hoping to remain in that stage for a long time. Um, you know, this is a, a disease that slows down your movement and it uh, can progressively get worse. There's no cure for it, but um, he's hoping with uh, the ability to, to, you know, just live a more healthy lifestyle and, and dedicate time to uh, to that, uh, you know, his well-being, um, his nutrition. Uh, he's he's uh, has an exercise routine he does, and um, he's also looking into, uh, you know, what kind of um, therapies uh, he can use to, to it, help out. There's there's drugs and medicine that is, I'm sure it's had, it has advanced over the years that should help. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine that, like all things, there's uh, stuff out there that he can take as well in that route. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I guess probably Michael J. Fox was probably the maybe yeah. the most famous person that's uh, had Parkinson's, and his diagnosis came a long time ago. And obviously, he was a lot younger when he was diagnosed. Mark Mark uh, Rick said he was diagnosed, I think it was back in May, um, and he kept it under wraps for a while until enough people saw him out in public events and wondered why he was kind of moving so slow. And um, you know, he has a tremor, I think he said, in his left hand, and. Um, 
you know, he, he's he's moving slower. You, you see him, and, he, and he's talking slower. He's still doing his AC, not slower, but but um, I would say he's talking uh, softer. And um, he's doing the ACC network thing, and they, they've kind of lightened his load a little bit as an analyst, but um, you know, still has a good sense of humor, and obviously he has a deep faith that um, will will be something that, uh, as he uh, goes through this, um, will be a comfort for him. And uh, as he says, he knows he's going to be uh, um, going to heaven, and um, you know, that's where he's going to be uh, for everlasting. So. Yeah, and I know that provides comfort to, to him and his family. A lot of the you know Georgia fans uh, like that. And I think we talked a little bit on the last podcast that uh, as bad as it, it can be, it's not something that uh, you know. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, you think of uh, Lou Gehrig disease or something that comes so quick. So it is something that uh, he can live with, you know, for a while, and it might be uncomfortable, I guess, at times. He, but, he did uh, tell us be, that he uh, he he does this thing with. Now he has trouble, um, you know, buttoning shirts and putting on jackets and stuff like that. I mean, it's a slow. You know, it's more of a challenge, obviously, than it used to be. But he told us that he times himself uh, untying and tying his shoes, and he does it in about thirty-one seconds. He says, "So Ryan, I'm going to ask you right now: take off those shoes, <laughs> see how long it. T- no, is that is that a skill that you have? Uh, you're, you're pretty good at. Uh, yeah, I guess I never really thought about it, but I I mean if if that was an Olympic sport. I, I could compete. <laughs> uh, you know, bunny loop, bunny loop, pull. Pretty easy. All right. I imagine we'll see Mark around Athens, and it wouldn't surprise me if, um, obviously, since he's back living in town here, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, you might see him at Sanford Stadium sometime, uh, you know, next season or this season. Although conflicts, obviously, with um, the uh, ACC, ACC no. show that he does, but... All right, let's flip it to basketball before we get out and, and a couple other quick things. Um, Ryan, who are you more excited to see in Stegman next season? Katie Johnson with Auburn mm-hmm. or Ty Fagan with Ole Miss? Uh, yeah, that would be Katie and Auburn, right? I mean, and not even KD. It's the uh, Bruce Pearl, did he wear an orange jacket type of deal. But, uh, you know, he he would be the one that had a bigger impact. I mean, Ty Fagan had some good moments, but, I mean, KD was a guy that you couldn't lose <laughs> along with Severe and – of course, Georgia did, and so uh, I mean, but Ty Fagan played three seasons with Georgia. I mean, what did we get a half season out of KD Johnson? Nah, yeah, but I mean, KD was a was a bona fide star there for Georgia, for the most part. He had some good moments. So. All right, so Sevilla Wheeler is going to be playing Georgia only in Lexington with Kentucky. They are not coming to Athens. Ryan, will he be a senior and play here in twenty twenty three? Yeah, I think so. All right, I'm gonna say no. You think he's going pro? Well, I mean, he put his name in the NBA draft this time. I mean, I think a lot of guys, you know, believe in themselves, believe in their games. And also, if you go to Kentucky, I guess maybe it's changing a little bit. They're bringing in grad transfers and stuff. But, like, there's a certain expectation that, like, if you're a player at Kentucky, you're not completing your career there. You are going pro when you have that chance. Speaking of which, didn't really dawn on me until uh, this morning I saw the NBA draft is tonight. Oh, well. And, you- uh when yeah. Georgia has nobody even well, considered. Yeah, I'll, I'll turn it on, but I don't I have not followed like the. And here's the thing: much. the Hawks are picking later. You know, if the, the, when the Hawks are good, they pick later in the draft. Uh, that's yeah. been uncommon. You know, usually you tune in and be like, "Who's the guy we're going to get?" All right, Ryan, got a, a question about Jordan Davis for you. Okay. Is it in fact healthier to eat organic Swedish fish versus just regular Swedish <laughs> fish? Now, you know, is there? Now that's Jordan said he brought that up. He eats organic Swedish fish. You know, yeah, what does that even mean? They, they, uh, are these fish actually, uh, do, do they do something where they, uh, they're free roaming Swedish fish instead of maybe it's uh, all natural manufactured, ingredients, all natural ingredients, right? <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, I, organic. I don't, I don't understand, uh, sometimes 
what that means or what free range chicken means. But, right, I, but I, need, I would imagine that any type of thing that has uh, more sugar in it is not going to be good for you. Where do where does one get organic candy like that? Shoot, I don't know. Is that I need a, I need you to bring a bag of that stuff in there. Is so. that a uh, what's the little market down over there in Five Points that uh, is a Whole Foods or something like that? Oh, is that no, that's one? Earth Fair. Earth Fair, yeah. Do you get them at Earth Fair? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't looked. I'll, I'll check it out. I'll, I'll look for it for you. All right, let's before let's just leave with, with this. We we uh, we wish the best for D'Angelo Tyson, the yes. former Georgia defensive lineman who announced. Uh, I guess he put a, a post on uh, what do you call that thing? Twitter, right? No, the, the, the oh, well, uh, GoFundMe. Yeah, the GoFundMe. Uh, he has colon cancer, he said, and uh, he's already had a, a surgery to remove a tumor, I guess, and uh, uh, is going to be undergoing chemotherapy. So, uh, wish the best for for Tyson, who had uh, several years in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens, and uh, there's been kind of an outpouring of support for him from former teammates and, and coaches. And details on our website. Uh, you can find your story yeah, the other day. Uh, uh, I looked this morning before I uh, came in here for the podcast. I think uh, $75,000 has been raised. Oh, uh, the goal is 100000 for him. So, uh, you know, he's, he's – uh, I think he's – I don't know exactly how old he's in, but obviously pretty young to be mm-hmm. – uh, you know, I think they might rec- recommend, uh, you know, screening for colon cancer at like 45 now or something. And he's clearly not at that age. So yeah. uh, wishing the best for him. Uh, we will be back next week as Georgia gets close to cranking up preseason practice mm. and uh, we'll get into more of a rhythm of uh, cranking out these podcasts. And uh, again, thanks, Steve Berkowitz, for joining us. And uh, we will talk to you all next time. See you later.